Today, I want to talk to you about Judas. We're going to talk about Judas. I've never preached a message about Judas. All right. Um, And most people just saying the name Judas, you think of it as a negative thing. You think of Judas as like a bad thing. Like, and, and this was kind of birthed out of, if you were here two weeks ago, the last time I preached was I preached about Matthew. That whole message about Matthew. Remember we talked about your sickness and that we're all sick. You're sick. I'm sick. And go back and listen to that. We don't have time to get into it. But I preached about Matthew. And then Jesse was like, oh, yeah, that was so good. And, you're, and a lot of people had some input about it and thought that was great. We got to really learn a lot more about Matthew that maybe we didn't know. And God really spoke through it. And then uh, Jesse was like, well, maybe God's wanting you to do a series. And she knows I hate, like, I don't know what it is, but I hate, like, trying to do a series and being tied down to a series. So I will not commit to one. She was like, just pray about it. Maybe, maybe you're supposed to do, like, each message on different ones of the disciples and so I prayed about it and so I'm not committing to do one on each one of the disciples but here we are on Judas and we're probably going to be on Peter next week just to give you a heads up some of the disciples are not worth a message I'm telling you There's just not enough there to work with. It'd be way too much me and not enough God. We'll see. Today we're talking about Judas. It's one of the most reviled names in history. His name shows up, if you just go Google his name, it shows up on a lot of different lists. Like it's a famous name. People that aren't Christians, they know the name Judas. It shows up on famous lists in in history with the most hated men like Hitler, Osama bin Laden, Judas. That's the kind of people he's listed with. You can go look them up. Um, His name is associated with words like traitor, backstabber, betrayal. Much, you know, remember a couple months ago when we talked about David and Goliath and we talked about the fact that even non-Christians have heard the story of David and Goliath as like a metaphor for the underdog. That David could kill the giant. Well, Judas is like that in that even people that aren't Christians, they've heard of like Judas as a betrayer. Somebody that stabs you in the back. Somebody that turns on you. Somebody that would sell you out. That's Judas. But you know what his name actually means? I was, I was actually kind of surprised to find this out. The name Judas, it means praise God. Praise God is what his name means. So every time you say Judas, back in their day, it was saying praise God. Praise the one true living God, Yahweh. Praise God. It's a variation of the Hebrew name Judah. You know, we know Judah is one of the the tribe of praise. It was the praise tribe. It can mean praise God or let God be praised. So every time someone called his name, they were saying praise God while addressing the one who would betray God. 
we say a quick prayer with me before we we go into this? Dear God, help me point out the Judas in my spouse. <laughs> okay, no. Well, God, help me to have good discernment so that I can weed out all the Judases in my life and get rid of them so that they don't stab me in the back. In Jesus' name, amen. No. No, that's not where we're headed with this either. You notice we never read ourselves into the story as the villain. There are whole papers written on this, and I didn't even realize it until a few months ago when I read this thing about it, and then I started thinking about it, and it's true. Most humans, when you read a story, whether it be a Bible story or anything, you don't read yourself in as the bad guy or the villain. If you do, you may be on some of those lists with Judas and Hitler and the others because that's not normal. Most people read themselves in as the hero. A lot of times people will read themselves in as the broken person, right? the person that needs help because we realize that we have brokenness in our lives. So, you know, you could be reading a Bible story and sometimes you'll read yourself in as the hero, like as the disciple that healed them or as Jesus that fed the people that were hungry. Or you might read yourself in as David. You may even read yourself in as like when Jesus heals a, a crippled person, right? And you're thinking, man, I'm lame. You might read yourself in as that, like I need Jesus to come and heal me. But rarely ever does anybody read themselves in as like Goliath. Have you ever read that story and thought about you as you're being Goliath? Or, or we read the Gospels and read ourselves in as the Pharisees, the religious judgmental crowd. Nobody does that. So the real prayer that I wanted you to pray with me as we start talking about Judas some was... God, let me see the Judas in me. And don't let me just think of Judas as some horrible person that betrayed Jesus. And oh, I would never betray Jesus, my Lord. I love him. He loved him too. He was chosen for a reason and a purpose. And there's a Judas in you. And there's Judas in me. And we can get so many different warnings and, and things that we can learn from and grow from. But if we don't admit that that could be inside of us, then we're never going to fix it. What's going to keep us from running wild with it? So God, let me see the Judas in me. Well, I'm a very loyal person. And so was he. Look at John 6, verse 68. Jesus just got done preaching, and they had built up a pretty good crowd, and Jesus had a, a lot of disciples, more than 12. And Jesus preached a pretty hard message where he told them that he was going to die, and like it wasn't really going to look like they thought it was going to look. And Jesus preached this message, said, like, I'm the lamb that's going to die. And, and John tells us that at that point, a whole bunch of people left. They said, Hi, we're done with this. We ain't following him no more. They quit the church of Jesus. They quit following him around. And, 
And the 12 were still sitting there. And Simon Peter answered him. Oh, sorry. Jesus asked him, like, are y'all going to leave too? Because there was only them 12 left. And, and Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Who else are we going to go to? You have the words of eternal life. Like the words that you speak, they give us life. Where else are we going to go and get that? I think we're just going to stay with you. We're going to trust what you say. Even if it's not exactly what we thought. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Jesus picked all twelve of them. I want to make sure that's clear. We can find it. I think four different places in the Gospels, it specifically lets us know that Jesus chose them. So Jesus chose Judas. Jesus handpicked him and asked him to be part of the team, to be one of the boys. I have not. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. Then John writes in there, he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. I'll go ahead and tell y'all who his dad is too to make sure you know who I'm talking about. Who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. Thanks, John. John wanted to make sure we knew who Jesus was talking about that had a devil in him. Was he? I don't know. I know at another time Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Maybe you have to be Judas out there. Did it have to be Judas? I don't know. There's a lot of debate and arguments on that, and different people think different things about it. And somebody had to betray him, and Jesus had to go to the cross. That was his purpose. Did it have to be Judas? I don't know. Maybe it could have been Peter. Maybe it could have been one of the others. But because of some decisions that he made or something in his heart, he opened up a door. He went down a road that I don't want to go down. So that verse we just read lets us know that Jesus chose him. Do you know he was trusted? Like, not only did Jesus choose him, Jesus trusted him. I'll say Jesus had pretty good discernment. Right, Jesus like could look at somebody and tell if they had a demon in them or a devil in them. Or Jesus had good discernment; he could tell if it was a good guy, bad guy, trustworthy, not what. And Jesus trusted him so much that he was in charge of the money. And as we learned two weeks ago, Matthew was great with money. He was a tax collector for the Romans which means he, he had to be highly educated and he had to speak at least two different languages. And he was very good with math and numbers. And so wouldn't you think Matthew would be the one in charge of Jesus and the boys' money and the ministry expenses and all that? No. And I don't know why. Maybe Jesus knew that Matthew, that was his problem. He had a problem with it. But for whatever reason... Jesus put Judas in charge of the money. Any money that they had, donations, the people that helped fund their ministry, Judas carried the money bag. 
So Jesus trusted him. And I read everything throughout the Gospels that, that talks about Judas. And if you go do that and read, and you kind of get the feeling as you read about every time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John that Judas is mentioned, all the other disciples liked him. They all trusted him. Even when Jesus was pretty plain at saying who it was, like they were begging, like, Jesus, tell us who's going to betray you. And Jesus is like, okay, I, I'm not going to tell you, but the one that I hand this loaf of bread to is the one that's going to betray me. Here, Judas. And they're like, well, who is it? Like, guys. But that right there tells you that Judas was a likable guy. Judas was a good dude. He wasn't some evil guy with like his red tail kept popping out from under his cape. His eyes weren't glowing orange. Oh, the evil one. He was a good guy. He was one of the crew. He was trusted. He carried the money bag. He was, he was Jesus' friend. No one even suspected him. You know, he was given power and authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. Jesus gave power and authority to all the twelve, all of them. That includes Judas. And then they were sent out by twos. And they came back telling Jesus about the people that they had healed and demons that they had cast out. So, so he had the Holy Spirit. He, had, he was given power to go and pray for people and watch sick people be healed. And he cast demons out of people. So where did he go wrong? Why would his life end with suicide? Matthew lets us know that after he betrayed Jesus, he felt so much remorse. And if you go look it up and read it, we're not, I don't want to bounce around and spend too much time reading all this, so I'm just going to tell you some of it. But Matthew lays out for us that he ended it with suicide, that he hanged himself but that he felt so much remorse, not repentance. So repentance is when we change directions. We realize we're somewhere we don't want to be and we change directions and we head to somewhere else. And that's different than remorse. Remorse is when we just feel bad about something we did, but we're not willing to change anything to make it different. Remorse is when I feel bad that I hurt you, but I'm not willing to change my actions, so I'm going to keep hurting you. I genuinely do feel bad, but I'm not willing to pay the price to repent. And so Matthew lets us know that he felt remorse after he betrayed Jesus. He felt horrible about it. And he felt so bad that he went and took the money, the 30 pieces of silver that he had gotten, and he, and he took them back to the temple and said, Hey, I just I want to give this back. I don't want to do this. I don't want to sell him out. And they're like, man. It's over. It's done now. And he threw the money into the temple. And, and he went and hung himself because he felt so bad. He was in such a dark place in his mind. He was tormented. He ran away from the other disciples and the relationships and the people that, that he had been surrounded with for three years. You know, to follow Jesus, he had to leave. We don't know what his occupation was before, but he had to leave his occupation and he had to leave family and 
and come and follow Jesus. And he had done that. And so his closest relationship for the last at least three years were the 12 and Jesus. Right, and now Jesus is arrested and, and being crucified and the 12, they probably weren't too happy with him. And he finds himself alone and tormented in his mind and in a dark, dark place. What happened before all of that? What happened before all of that? If we could just back up a little bit, look at a couple things that happened before it. Like when did he start getting off track? Because rarely ever does something happen out here like in your actions, it usually starts in here. And anything that you run into, a problem, a darkness, an addiction, a, a mistake, a, it usually starts up here. It rarely ever does it just, poof, oh, how'd that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. You, you planted some seeds in your mind a long time ago, and you've been watering them and feeding them and watching that bad boy grow, and it finally just now manifested into reality where it can be seen. That thing's been alive for a long time. So if we back up a little bit and we look at, back up in the story a little bit and we look at John. Uh, John 12. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him. John throws that in every time he mentions him. I think John was kind of upset. Objected. Now, this is when Mary poured the expensive oil, broke the alabaster box and poured it on him and washed Jesus' hair with her feet and poured out all this money. And old Judas got mad about it. Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. This was worth a year's wages. You know, he sold Jesus. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You know how much the 30 pieces of silver was worth? four months to an average wage person back in their day. It was about four months pay. Mary pours, pours out a year's worth of wages, just pours it on Jesus' feet as an act of worship. And he got upset. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. This John. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. You will not always have me. So why don't we jump back and look at that? Because right before all this happened, we catch a glimpse into what was going on in Judas's mind. We catch a glimpse into what was going on with his 
love of money. But to Judas, worship was a waste. He thought that was a waste. He thought that Mary pouring out worship on God or Jesus, thanksgiving to God, that she was pouring it out on Jesus and worshiping Him, and Judas thought it was a waste. If there's an area in your life, if, if you feel like worship is a waste, that's this area there's a little bit of Judas in you. To worship is not a waste. Worship, anything poured out at the feet of Jesus cannot be wasted. And Judas was at the place in his mind where he had let money take hold in whatever way. We know the love of money is the root of all evil, but wherever he had allowed himself to go in his mind, he thought that worship was a waste. And his name was praise God. But, but we can do something better with that money. Could have been a little more productive with that money. And instead of just blessing those people, we could have put it into a, you know, something we needed. I've thought things like that before. Well, that's great that that was just poured out on worship and it's gone, but... I, I think that time could have been better spent doing something else and not just in here in a, in a worship service for that long. You know, we could have used that time to do something else, right? But if that time was poured out on the feet of Jesus as an act of worship, it's not a waste. It doesn't matter. We hit money and time, same with talent. What a waste. Dylan is a phenomenal guitar player. What a waste that he would spend his time learning these Christian songs and playing for free. He could be playing at La Fiesta and getting hundreds of dollars worth of tips every Friday night. Him standing up here and using his talent and volunteering his time to learn songs and practice and stand up here and play with excellence as an act of worship to pour out on the feet of Jesus is not a waste. It can never be a waste. And I'm, you, I'm not saying something bad about if Dylan went and played at a restaurant, that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying the other, it's not a waste to pour it out as an act of worship. It's a good thing. So check yourself, your heart, and your mind. Make sure there's no worship is a waste. Money, time, talent. Worship's never a waste. In just a minute, I wanna I wanna look at what he did right after that. Right after he said it was a waste. But first, let's look at John 13. Now, you remember John 13, so we don't have to read the whole story, but John 13 is the Last Supper, what's known as the Last Supper, where they had that one big, long table, and they all sat on one side of the table and left the other side open for the pictures and for the paintings and stuff, you know. The Last Supper, where they all showed up the last time that they ate together, and it's where Jesus... He, he taught them how to do communion and what was the point of communion, and it was a pretty important meal 
Remember, it's the one where, where they showed up and they came in and they were all excited. And then Jesus takes off his robe and he girds himself with a towel and he takes that towel. And they're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Because see, back in their day, you walked everywhere you went. And so your feet were nasty and dirty and sweaty and they'd have dirt stuck in between your toes because you wore sandals and everybody rode around on donkeys and mules and horses and stuff so you'd have a little bit of manure smushed in between your toenails and stuff and they'd have a little servant that when you would go in there to somewhere nice they'd have a little servant that would take a towel and a basin and he would wash your feet it was just a servant because you were more important than him that's what they thought and so they saw Jesus take the towel, and, and Jesus is like getting the basin, and they're like, what in the world is he doing? Hey, where's the servant? He needs his feet washed. And, and Jesus bends down on his knees, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Now, it's his last time he'll ever be with them, and so you would think it's going to be pretty important what we talk about tonight, and even more important than what we talk about what I do tonight as a visual. What you see me do. It's going to be really important because this, this was it. And, and Jesus chose to take the towel and to wash their feet. And he washed all of their feet. See, he washed Judas's feet too. He served Judas. He lowered himself below Judas. And at this point, see, we don't know how long Jesus knew which one it was that was going to betray him. But we know that Jesus knew at this point who it was. In fact, he knew that it was already done. We're about to read it. And Jesus still lowered himself and washed his feet. He served him. Can you serve Judas? I know you got some people in your life that have hurt you. I know you got some people in your life that have stabbed you in the back. People that you should have been able to trust that you can't trust and they... They hurt you. Can you serve them? Could you pray for that person? That's hard. That's real hard. When we were in Ohio, I I was talking about forgiveness. and, And I told them that a big key for me to forgiveness is to pray for that person that I'm having a hard time forgiving. I felt like God told me that when I was struggling with forgiveness a few years ago. And it's pretty hard at first, especially when you're real mad at somebody. And it'll come out like some of those David in the Psalms prayers. Like, God, give them hemorrhoids in their ears. Like, is that even possible? I don't know. Let's do something impossible just to make it worse than the possible. Like, it's funny, but... I've been that mad at people before, and I bet you have too. Where it's so, you can't even come up with a prayer to pray. That's okay. Pray what you can. Three words. God, bless. I can't even say them. Say, um. God bless them. It's a start. Then tomorrow... You might can say, God, forgive them. Bless them. You forgive them. And you know what starts to happen? I'm telling you this from personal experience. If you will do that day after day after day, God starts to soften your heart. 
And then you start to have a little bit of empathy. You start to think about that person that you hated so bad, that person that hurt you so bad, even if they never asked you for forgiveness, as you start to pray for them and as your heart becomes softer and softer, then what happens is you start thinking about, I wonder why they did that. Man, I wonder what kind of dark place they were in to make them hurt me like that. Or I wonder why they didn't consider how bad that was going to hurt us. Or why you start to have compassion like Jesus did. You start to have empathy. From what? Just, just from praying. That's the start. I can't serve him. Okay, pray for him. Let God soften your heart. Start to pray for him. Well, I can't forgive her. Okay, just, just commit to me that you're going to start praying for her every morning. Even if it's two sentences. I promise you God will start to soften your heart. I promise. So Jesus took that towel and, and he took the place of a servant. And he said, hey guys, this is what I want you to do talks to them about communion and, and they're going through the meal and I'm going to start reading in verse 21 and after he said this Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified I tell you the truth betray me his disciples they stared at one another was it you? You, one of you is going to betray me. At a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John referring to himself, was reclining next to him. I was sitting right beside him. And Simon Peter mentioned to this disciple and said, him which one he means leaning back against Jesus he leans his head back against Jesus' chest he asked him Lord who is it <laughs> you kidding this and Jesus answered it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Guys, that's pretty obvious. He said, I'm about to dip this piece of bread in the wine. It's the one I'm going to hand this to. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Wait, but we remember this is the meal that Jesus taught them about what communion is. Remember Jesus took the bread and he broke the bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. Broken for who? Broken for all of mankind. It was broken for you and me and the disciples and all of them. And then he said, this is my blood. When he held up the wine cup, he said, this is my blood shed for the remission of your sins. What sins? All sins. What about the really, really bad sins? All sins. Well, does Jesus' blood cover this or that? or th All sins. 
of what people? All people. Well, what about Judas? Yeah, Judas too. So Jesus broke the bread and he dipped it in the blood and the one that he handed it to was Judas. Because his body was broken for him too. And his blood was enough to cover his sin too. Even though his sin was what was about to send Jesus to the cross. And it says Satan entered into him as soon as he took the bread from Jesus. And that word, uh, it was translated Satan in it. It can mean Satan, the devil, but the main meaning of that word is a hostile opponent. A hostile opponent entered into his mind. When Jesus handed him that. What, what does that mean? He was having a battle in his mind. What he was about to do. And was he going to make a mistake? And could he betray his friend? And was he going to walk away? And he was gonna, But he needed the money. And he already set this thing into motion. And he couldn't stop it now. And, and it wasn't going to do any good even if he tried to stop it. And it was, it's too late. I've gone too far. I've done too much. I've, I've hurt too many of my friends. I've, I've hurt the people that I love. So what does it matter? See, there was a hostile opponent in his mind and he just couldn't win. He just couldn't beat it. See, it was whooping him up here. What you're about to do, do it quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the mill understood why Jesus said this to him. Some geniuses. He just told you. None of they still didn't get it. That tells you how much they trusted and loved this guy. Like Jesus just made it pretty obvious. Like, okay, it's gonna be the one whoever I hand this bread to. And then he hands it to Judas. And then Jesus leaned over to him and said, Whatever you're about to do, do it quickly. And they're all still like, Man, I wonder who it is. <laughs> Guys. Judas wasn't a bad guy. These guys that have lived with him and hung out for him for three years with him for three years couldn't even believe it. Oh, I know it ain't Judas. Nah, Jesus handed the bread to the wrong dude. Since Judas had charge over the money, some thought that Jesus was just telling him to go buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. It was dark. You ever been in a dark place? I like how John threw in that last little detail. It was night. It was dark outside. And he went away. Never to be reunited with the boys. So can you serve Judas like Jesus did? Because we want to look like Jesus. We're supposed to look more and more like our dad. Can, can we serve Judas even if we know they're going to betray us and hurt us? Can we love him? Jesus covered him. However long Jesus knew, he, he wouldn't even tell him. He gave him these couple little riddles and stuff, but Jesus never said, Hey, guys, it's Judas. He didn't need to get everybody on his side. 
See, we want people to know. Make sure we get everybody on our side that this person stabbed me in the back. This person betrayed me. They hurt me. And all y'all need to get on my team and decide. But it's gossip and it's not Jesus. It's just, it's in our human nature. But it's gossip and it's not Jesus. It's not God. And it's not helping. Jesus covered Judas. Can you trust Judas? You should know it might not change him. Right? Jesus loved him and covered him and trusted him and, and he still did what he was going to do. You need to know that. When you serve, when you take up that towel and you choose to die to yourself and serve somebody or forgive somebody or love somebody or trust somebody, it, it might not change them. They might still do what they're going to do. They might still end up in a dark place. They might still end up bound in their addiction. They might still end up, but that doesn't change the fact that you're supposed to love them. You're supposed to serve them. Well, why if it's not going to change them? Because it's changing you. It's not about changing them. The ministry of Jesus is not for us to learn how to change other people. It's, it's to change you. If you're in it to just change everybody else to what you think or what you like, that, that's not Jesus. What it does is it changes you. It softens your heart. It expands your capacity to love and forgive. It may not change them, but it'll change you. She might still betray you. And that's okay. Because God can use it. It might be pushing you towards your purpose. It was Jesus' purpose to die on the cross. I'm, I'm glad he did. I'm not glad that he had to suffer, but man, I mean, it worked out pretty good for all of us. We all get to be part of the family. It, we all get to be back in relationship with God. Because of that, it was part of his plan and part of his purpose. And there was no limit to his love and forgiveness. Jesus loved and forgave Judas, but Judas ended up in suicide because he couldn't forgive himself. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't forgive him. Right, Judas ended his life not, not because Jesus couldn't forgive him or Jesus didn't love him. Because he let himself get to such a place in his mind where he wasn't willing to forgive himself. It's so important to forgive other people and pray for other people to soften your heart towards other people. But at the same time, you need to forgive yourself. Right? You, you will end up in death not experiencing the life that God has for you if you can't forgive yourself. That's one thing Judas did. He could not forgive himself. 
Maybe that's the Judas in you. Maybe that's the little piece of Judas that's in you is that, you know what, I can forgive them for that and her for that. And I, I can forgive other people, and I, but I just can't forgive me. And that'll lead you down some dark roads because Jesus forgave him and Jesus forgave you. Jesus loved him and Jesus loves you. But you're going to have to learn how to forgive yourself because we all make mistakes. We've all messed up. We all have reasons. We all have made some stupid decisions and choices. We've all had things done to us. And I mean, you got to forgive yourself. Judas just couldn't forgive himself. He, he couldn't let it go. So what? He gave up. Instead of taking that towel and washing feet, Judas threw in the towel. He said, I can't handle it. I can't do it. I'm done. What if he would have forgiven himself and came back and accepted Jesus' forgiveness and, and went back with the disciples even though it was going to be hard? found forgiveness and worth we may have a whole nother book in the gospels Judas might have written us a book in here somewhere who knows but he couldn't he threw in the towel Judas Iscariot is what we know him by in the bible they didn't have last names back then so you were known as like either where you were from or some people were known by like their father's name or, or things like that but Iscariot is two words combined. The first one is Ish, and the second one is Korioth. Um, and Ish means man. It just simply means man. And Korioth is the town that he was from. So it's basically like a man from Korioth, Judas, a man from Villarica. That was the town that he was from. Well, why does that matter? Because as far as we know, all of the other disciples, anyone that we know of for sure, um, were all from Galilee or right around there. Most of them would have known each other from around the town or grown up together or they were from the same, a different place. And Judas was from Corioth, a different place a place of the giants, a place where God's people didn't live. He was, could have been an outsider. But also, we see throughout Scripture, and we see if you go read some of the history books, that Judas also, you've probably heard him called Judas the Zealot. And there was also another guy that was following Jesus named Simon the Zealot. They knew him as, and a zealot... Uh, what they believed, just to, to kind of shorten it, was they believed that God was sending a Messiah. Uh, they believed that the Messiah was coming and that he was going to set God's people free and that he was going to free the nation of Israel and that they would defeat Rome. So they believed in the Messiah, but they thought he was going to be a military guy and that he was going to be a superhero 
And then Jesus showed up on the scene and a lot of them thought that this was him, which it was. He was the Messiah. But they thought that the miracles and him casting out demons and stuff was like him just getting revved up and learning how to use his power. And then he was going to lead them in an army. So all of the zealots, uh, they all had these, they were known to have these daggers and they were assassins. And they would like slip into a crowd and assassinate people. And they were like training for war and killing and fighting and getting ready to take back over from Rome. So this is what Judas would have believed. And most of the scholars agree on the fact that Judas probably betrayed Jesus that night. And that he had old Peter in on it too because that's why, why would Peter have had a sword when they went to pray? Why was the fisherman carrying around a sword? Oh, because he got in on that little thinking. I almost started talking about what I was going to talk about next week about Peter. Yeah, well, that's going to tie into that. But so they would have had these little swords. And so Judas, most people agree, like it doesn't make sense that he would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. But what does make sense is that since he was a zealot, and that's what they believed, that he thought he was going to get things rolling. He thought that when they came up to betray him, then Jesus would finally show his power. And that the Messiah wouldn't be arrested and killed. But that they would overthrow Rome. And that they would fight back. And that that when they came to uh, arrest him, that Jesus would finally show his power and And knock them all down, which he did. But then they all got back up. And then Peter's like, oh, it's time. It's time. Oh, go. And Peter chops off somebody's ear. And they're like, what the? Jesus is looking around like, what's going on, guys? And they arrest Jesus. And then Judas is like, oh, no. I missed it. It wasn't what I thought. It didn't look like I thought it was going to look like he didn't fight back. We didn't win. Even Peter was supposed to chop that dude's head off and he missed and caught an ear. And then Jesus just healed it. This nothing went as planned. And now I've betrayed my friend. And he's going to be tortured all night. And it's my fault. And my best friends hate me. And I, I thought I, I thought I was doing good. I, I thought that we were going to take back, that God's people were going to be established again on the earth and that, that the Messiah would come and I would play a key role. And instead I played a key role in his death. Not knowing that he did play a key role in the Messiah walking in his purpose. But he didn't save those people that were alive in that moment. He played a key role in the salvation of all of mankind. A lot of times the picture looks really small when we're in it, when we're living it. And we don't realize like God's so big and there's so much going on that like we get caught up in today. In this little moment, in this little blip in time, and, and things seem so good. 
or so bad or so, but it's so much bigger than that. I, it, it's, God was doing so much more than a betrayal by a kiss for four months wages. There was a lot more going on in that moment. I can wrap this thing up. Basically, things didn't turn out like he thought they would. And so he threw in the towel. I feel like as I close the message today, I was supposed to tell somebody, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. It's not over. I know things didn't turn out like you thought they would. I know things look a lot different than you thought they would. I know. I know it hurts. I know there's pain. I know it. I, I know. But it's not time to throw in the towel. You're almost there. You're this. You're so close. And take that towel. Wipe the sweat. Man, I've always wanted to be a good preacher with a sweat towel. <sighs> Wipe the sweat off your brow. Use that towel and take another step. Keep moving forward. Use that towel to serve somebody. Use that towel to wash somebody's feet and, and to forgive somebody and to honor somebody. But don't give up. It's not time to quit. Hebrews 10, 35 says this. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing, but you need, to, you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. What's he saying? You, you can't see the big picture right now, but don't give up. Don't quit. He's working. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. Just don't quit. But anyone who is right <coughs> with me thrives on loyal trust. Trust God. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. And I don't want to quit and lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way what does that mean when I feel like quitting when I feel like giving up I'm going to stick with it and trust I'm going to trust that there's a bigger picture that there's something else going on that I don't know there's, there's something else that I can't see uh, in Matthew 26 is where Remember, I told you a few minutes ago that, that I wanted to show you what happened right after that, right after uh, he got mad about the worship. What happened right after that, Matthew tells, tells us in verse 26, in chapter 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. 
And from then on, this is the part I wanted you to see. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. From then on, he began looking for an opportunity to hand him over. Seeking you shall find. Whatever it is that you're looking for, right, you're going to find it. He began looking for an opportunity to hand him over. What is it that you're seeking for? What doors are you knocking on today? If you're looking for an excuse to take revenge or you're looking for reasons to not forgive somebody, then I promise you, you're going to find them. It's not going to be that hard to find them. They'll just show up. It all starts in your mind. If you're looking for a reason to leave the church, then you're going to find one looking for a reason to stop giving you'll find one or to be offended I'm sure you'll find one but if you focus on and think about something long enough eventually you make it happen but at that point you're usually just acting out what has already moved into your mind what you focus on When you're not focused, distractions begin to look like opportunities. He got distracted by 30 pieces of silver. Like that was some kind of opportunity. It was four months worth of pay. Yeah, four months worth of pay is a lot. All right, like if you offered me four months worth of pay, that's a lot to me right now. But in the grand scheme of things, in the whole universe, uh, hundreds of years four months worth of pay is not a lot you were hanging out with the Messiah with Jesus miracles were being done and you got distracted by four months worth of pay like it doesn't even make sense but if you're not focused distractions start to look like opportunities thinking about um, I was thinking about tea for some reason a glass of sweet tea you make sweet tea when we were in Ohio uh, some of us were brave and ordered sweet tea I don't remember who all, I know me and Brian ordered sweet tea at a restaurant in Ohio and Colt said I'll just have a Sprite <laughs> uh and so we were wondering if they were going to bring us good tea or not. And then we were also wondering why it took so long to get a cup of tea. Like, normally you should just go pour the tea and bring it back. But, like, they got the other drinks they could make faster than the tea. But then we realized after getting it and tasting it, and you could almost still see the powder floating in there where they had mixed it up. You know, like the little powder dump in. And so when you wanted to refill, they didn't bring out a pitcher. They didn't have, like, a pitcher of tea because... They just mix your one cup of Lipton, stir it up like it's real tea, right? <laughs> um, why did I say that? Oh, I was thinking about making sweet tea and how how when you make when you actually make sweet tea and you put the tea bags in the water. Some of y'all have probably done this. I think 
and you let it boil for a long time. Some of y'all have probably done this. I think they've done it here on a Wednesday night a couple of times. You boil the tea bags, and so all of that goodness, bitterness, it gets out into the water. Right? And then you put the sugar in. Should be about two cups per gallon, if you need to know. Okay, but if you just throw the sugar in there, it sinks down to the bottom. And you don't stir it up. And you just go get you a little bit of that tea and taste it. Guess what? It's bitter. It tastes nasty. It's not a good glass of sweet tea. There's nothing. It, it doesn't taste sweet. Why? Because there hasn't been a stirring. The sugar's in there. But it still tastes bitter. Why? Because the sugar has settled. And there's not been a stirring. See, if the stirring goes on long enough, then then there becomes this oneness and it blends in. You know, earlier in the worship service when I was praying that that the Holy Spirit would come and move and come up out of us and, and begin to stir. You hear people say, Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, stir us and move us and change us and mix us. And I know sometimes life tastes bitter. Doesn't taste too good. I could have made this example about lemonade. If we squeeze it, but then there's no stirring of the sugar, it, it can taste kind of sour sometimes. But I promise you, if you'll keep trusting and you don't give up and you keep pushing forward and, and you allow the Holy Spirit to stir and move and stir the sweetness of His Word and worship. We talked about a minute ago, worship is not a waste. How do I worship with my time, my talents, my treasure, my, my giving of my offering is a worship. And when I worship, that's me putting in the sweet. I'm putting in the sweetness. And then I allow the Holy Spirit to stir it. Well, then all of a sudden those things that were sour and, and those things that were painful and those things in my life that were bitter, all of a sudden they're adding flavor. I, I don't like a glass of sugar water. Like That doesn't taste good to just mix up a glass of sugar water. Well, you just said you didn't like the flavor of the tea bag. I do. It adds flavor when it's mixed with the sweet. And when I allow a stirring. You can focus on the sour. You can focus on the bitter. You can focus on the pain. You choose what you'll focus on. You can focus on what they did to you or what you lost or how bad it hurts or how hard the future will be. And before long, you'll be ready to throw in the towel or you can focus on Jesus. You can choose to focus on what he did and focus on the cross and take that towel and wash somebody's feet and serve somebody. And that'll shoot adrenaline into your veins. 
I was going to read you Hebrews 12, but we're done. Go read that. It tells you that's how you do it. You focus on Jesus. And the Message Bible says that'll shoot adrenaline into your veins. But they did what he... Forgive. Forgive yourself. Forgive God. Forgive Judas. Forgive the Judas in you. Forgive the Judas in other people. Because God loves him too, and he's part of the plan. And I know it's bitter. I know it's bitter in the moment. But once it gets stirred into the sugar, it's going to be part of the flavor. And in the grand scheme of things, God can use it, I promise. Let's pray. God, we hear you. God, we thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, we thank you for meeting us where we are. God, thank you for the word of encouragement to all of us today to not give up. We're almost there. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's not time to retreat or surrender. We're going to keep stepping in purpose. God, help us to trust you like never before. Give us peace. And help us to pour out our worship. We love you. Thanks for grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.